0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Beats and Bleeps podcast. This month's episode I'll be talking to Dan Golding, composer of Untitled Goose Game, Frog Detective 1 and 2 and Push Me Pull You soundtracks. It's a pleasure to have Dan here today. Yeah, first off, thanks for doing this once again. I do really appreciate it. it would be the first person... I've interviewed so.
1: Oh, uh, my my pleasure, my pleasure.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I'd I'd want to ask is like, how how did you get into like um like writing game soundtracks? Obviously, from what I've read about yourself on the internet, which is a bit imposing. Um, mm-hmm. Push me, pull you was the first one you did.
1: Yeah, that's um, right.
0: So, so how how did that come about? Because obviously, you've been done various things around the games industry before. Mr. Mm. had to say, yeah, how did that come about as search?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It really came about. Yeah, I mean I, I feel like it was through happenstance really. Um yeah. it kind of still feels a little bit like I fell into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean still my my day job, I suppose, is I'm an academic. Uh, and yeah. I, I, you know, research games uh, among other things. I also research and teach film. Um, but yeah, like, um, I, I, um, back when I was doing my PhD, uh, was running a games event, uh, here in Melbourne called the Free Play Independent Games Festival. Yeah. And that's been around for, gosh, a very long time now, uh, but I only ran it for a couple of years. Uh, and yeah. So at one point, we um we had um the 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 makers of the game uh, push me pull you when it was still very much a work in progress. Uh, we were doing a, a public play session um, where we've got this sort of big public square here in Melbourne, uh, and there's a big screen there, and we put the game on the big screen, set up kind of a living room situation in the square cool. with like a a, a a secondhand couch and. Um, a lamp and a rug and, and snacks and stuff like that. Um, but the nature of an event like that is um, that you often... Uh, Spent a lot of time sitting around waiting uh, <laughs> for people to to turn up and play, or waiting for stuff to happen. And so I got talking to the the people House House, the four people um, at House House who were making Push Me Pull You, and kind of just started talking about the music. And uh, you know, I was sort of. It turned out they didn't have a super cl- a clear idea of what they wanted. I mean, they had some ideas, but no plan yeah. really. And I was sort of like, oh, I think I could probably do that. And I sent them a few demos and. Uh, now I've I don't know I guess I've done four game soundtracks um, with a few more on the way and um, you know I feel incredibly lucky to have done music for yeah some games that have shipped on the major consoles and done pretty oh, yeah. well yeah mm.
0: <laughs> so with so with um that we have you always had a musical background or is it something that you just kind of took up as a hobby or you know mm. been playing since you we were a child. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I um, I've always been interested in music, pretty much from like high school onwards. Um yep. so like Twelve, thirteen, uh, and yeah, like was one of those people at high school, or you know, in the music department, who you know, to get out of into school sports days, I was tied up in the music department, and um, but you know, just kind of muck around on a bunch of instruments. I don't really consider myself to have like a main instrument. I have a yeah. few, that I. That I did the longest amount of study on, but mostly it's just kind of messing around with a bunch of instruments. And um, so, yeah, I've kind of always felt like um, that ultimate, you know, jack of all trades and not particularly a master of of any, but... um, yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, I, I was in a bunch of bands during undergrad at uni as well. Uh, and so, yeah, music's always been a really big part of my life. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know, but yeah, not, not up until recently has it been part of really my professional, um, career. So yeah, still feel really lucky in that sense.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, you saying about, um, with being a jack of all trades and like terms of insurance and stuff with all the, soundtracks the ones that you've done they all kind of have like a say like organic instruments like a lot of them it's not not very electronic there's you know and i mean i was reading on your band camp that everything's written and performed by yourself um for that so that's you know especially the push you push me pull you i'm gonna get that wrong so many times (laughs) um soundtrack like it's quite a range of different instruments to get the the vibe on that so that's Mm. yeah i did find that quite interesting obviously like the first one of your work i'd listen to is the goose game soundtrack Mm. which is predominantly piano um but yeah it was just quite interesting to see that like the the range of instruments you used on that soundtrack's really really interesting so you kind of touched on um like coming into the push me pull you soundtrack at a later date when you were discussing the music and things how how like how does that sort of work when you're writing a soundtrack for a game does does it kind of come to a point where i mean i'm guessing it's different from every game but is it a point where sometimes you're involved from the beginning in that and then you know it becomes more of an integrated part or Mm. is that is that just kind of a different Mm. different for every game kind of thing
1: Yeah, it is different for every game, but also different to, I guess, who you're working with as well. Um, With Push Me Pull You and Frog Detective, um, I guess I've been there from maybe mid-process. I'd say there was still... Probably the best part of a year with those games, or at least it felt like that, if, between me being involved and it actually being on store shelves, well, metaphorically, of course. Um, but uh, with Goose Game, I mean, I was involved relatively early. They really only had the first level kind of, you know, ma- mapped out and, you know, they they'd obviously spent a lot of time on it. But um, I created music for that they were going to use in the trailer. Um, yeah. And so yeah, that was that was relatively early on. And also I should say it wasn't like a trailer in a traditional sense to kind of foreground the release. I think it was like almost like two, maybe even three years before the game actually came out. It was very much like a I think they had to upload footage of the game to get it into a festival somewhere. I think that was the deal. Yeah. Um and so that's what that music was created for. And I really, you know, I'd barely even seen the game in motion at that point. So yeah, that was pretty early, I suppose. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so I think I vaguely remember the like uh, trailer kind of thing of that really early on. One that got a lot of people quite excited because it was it's was very very different from a lot of a lot mm. of games. You know, even the thing is like most games you play is the good protagonist. <laughs> yeah. you, you are a horrible goose, which is yeah. you know. I think it's definitely something that got a lot of people's attention early on. Mm. Um, so with um, in terms of like just general musical influences, what's, is it, do you have like a wide range? Is there any sort of artist you attribute, you know, your love of music for anything like any moments you kind of had listening to something? It's like, oh, that's, that's something I'd like to do.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So many. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm one of those people that, uh, you know, you, you often meet. Someone who'll be like, oh, I I love every genre and, like, you probe them a little bit and they're like, actually, I don't really like Western or, like, country and Western, (laughs) I don't really like rap, whatever. I actually really do like pretty much every genre. yeah. Um, but I grew up listening to jazz and okay. classical and soundtracks more than anything. Um, I grew up loving like Benny Goodman and the big band era, which okay. is uh, but that's that's me. Um, I love Charles Mingus's music. I think if I was gonna if I could click my fingers and sort of just go back and recreate any album or, or band or anything, I'd love to, you know, that Charles Mingus like that, that real kind of like messy. Impressionists, but still super bluesy jazz, that to me yeah. is just the best. But I mean everything, like, I don't know, Radiohead, um, you know, like e- even some, you know, pretty loud bands, you know, like Rage Against some, some Punk stuff as well, like, I really like all of that. But I mean, like, Symphonic stuff, like Stravinsky, to me, is where it's at. I mean, I also do a a weekly radio show here in Australia on film music, but it's a classical music network, and they're running a a poll that they run every year, which is like, vote for your favourite pieces of classical music. The the theme this year is what piece can't you live without? And i got to say the first piece that came to mind was actually The Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, there's – yeah – there's um there's there's a variety. Also, really love bluegrass. I love my. I have a banjo. I that's one of my most favourite instruments to kind of noodle around on. Um, but I think uh, sorry, the the question was also about influence, and I think to me, one of the composers that I find most interesting, or or or, or at least I find myself resonating with his approach to music the most is actually Henry Mancini the music composer, you know, wrote like Moon River, Breakfast Breakfast at Tiffany's and Peter Gunn, that kind of stuff. Like, I just, he's really dorky. That's not a cool thing to say, I don't think. (laughs) But I really like how he had this ability to really get inside a genre and kind of find what makes it tick, even on quite a superficial level, but you know, it's kind of genuine in its, in its dorkiness and its kind of endearing approach to just enjoying the music. And to me, I, that's what I enjoy about making music. There's nothing more fun to me than if someone says, Hey, Dan, do you want to try and make? a a track in this genre that you've never worked in before (laughs) and so for me then the process becomes about researching and listening really closely and then trying to recreate something and and that to me is just super super fun and I find that really resonant with Mancini Mm.
0: I think with that sort of process as well like almost reverse engineering a song Mm -hmm. to get into that genre you can then pull bits across your like into other things and kind of make a you know, some not necessarily new, but you know, bring mm. influences from little different bits. And I mean, obviously, you you touched quite a lot on um the jazz and like bluesy music you're listening to. But I'm guessing that was kind of quite a, a big influence on the Frog Detective soundtrack vibes, like that kind of film yeah. noir kind of vibes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I did did notice that. Like, it's almost like I can imagine just without playing the game just imagine that kind of whole emphasis like you know black and white film someone smoking brutally in the (laughs) corner yeah
1: that's right Mm.
0: yeah oh sorry carry on
1: no 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 i was just Uh, yeah the, the the pitch um that that grace um uh brooksner who uh, really, is the the powerhouse behind that series was she came to me and she said, um, so it's like Hercule Poirot, the Agatha detective, <laughs> but, he's, but he's a frog, and I was like, I think I can do that. i yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean I, that that, me.
0: mm. that that's definitely like for the for the pitch of that game and the soundtrack that that's a very defined vision and but mm. it comes across in like all fronts with with that like that's if if, if a way of describing that game is that's the kind of thing they should print on the box yeah (laughs) (laughs) if they had had boxes anymore but yeah yeah so with with that was that just the case of the frog detective you got approached um Mm. was it based upon the you know your work you were done with push me pull you or um that's good was it always going to be um the two games or did the the second one come about based upon the first one doing
1: yeah I think. Look, I think Grace is a really incredibly smart and unique game maker. I mean, it really Frog Detective emerged out of some work that she was doing. I think in in third year, um, uni uh, as her yeah. she was doing a, a game design degree, and this was kind of her final project. Um, I often. <laughs> I, I don't know whether I should say this out loud. I often forget how much younger than me she is. <laughs> uh, she uh, was uh, interviewed on something completely um, not associated with games the other day in the in the in the, the local media, and it listed her age. and I was just like, "What? <laughs> really?" Like I just kind of fall back into assuming she's about my age, but. No, so I think she was just coming out of uni and was like, I don't know, yeah, danced on this other soundtrack. I think sort of I'd probably got a bit of a, um, I don't know, reputation as just being like the, the the music guy, I suppose, because I'd done like a bit of radio, some video essays about film music yeah. as well. Um, and so, yeah, she's like, yeah, she just got in touch with me. I mean, I, I kind of knew her as well just from the local scene, but not very well. Um, yeah just well enough to kind of you know say hi to it at uh, an industry party or something like that and yeah she just got in touch and was like hey can you can you do actor like christie meets uh amphibians and i was like yeah I, absolutely i can <laughs> mm.
0: so with obviously the uh the big one the goose game was mm. that just a case of house house obviously you mentioned they'd in the um the little trailer um was that just because of the work you'd done with them before they they wanted you on it um mm-hmm. You know, knowing knowing how good you are,
1: basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean look, it's always really nice to have that pre existing working relationship and like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like we get along pretty well. Um I, I think they're a lot cooler than I am, to be completely <laughs> honest. But other than that, I think we have a lot of similar sensibilities. Um and and similar kind of Yeah. Um yeah, like, similar kind of senses of humour. I think, actually, the sense of humour is what binds the four of them together. Like, I imagine they have fairly serious creative arguments, as most teams would, but I feel like they always are kind of having fun and laughing along the way, which surely must go such a long way to, to, to you know, keeping keeping everything going. But... um yeah, so they they just asked me for that trailer music. I, I don't really know if they had particularly a plan for what the actual in-game music uh, was going to be, but, I mean, the, the, the way I've, I've told this story a few times now, but, yeah, the trailer music was so well edited by Jack Strasser, who does um, their trailers, uh, and he trained as a editor, um, that people, you know, every sort of, there, there were quite a few comments on, on, on YouTube and Twitter sort of being like, oh, I can't wait for the, the game's music to react like this uh, in, in the game, whereas in the trailer it was just edited. And so, yeah, I think we all sort of got together a few weeks later and we're like, okay, we should probably figure out how to do this. <laughs> but, I don't, but I don't know, genuinely, I don't know whether they had plans or thoughts about how the music would work before that moment. Um, I kind of suspect that they might not, have, that they might have been thinking that the game wouldn't have music, at least in the, in the, um, the moment to moment action. So yeah, it's kind of happenstance in a way that that turned out as it did. Um, so yeah, look, I think, uh, sorry, to answer your question, we, we probably would have worked together on that game in some way, in in one way or another, but whether I would have actually ended up providing a full soundtrack as I did in the end, um, who knows? Who knows?
0: (laughs) I was going to say about the, um, when I mentioned to a few people on Instagram that I was going to be doing this interview, with quite a few people mentioned about, like, I think I think someone dubbed it incidental music, where, like, you know, you get the little shorts when you've done something, and it's just, it's, yeah, I think that's kind of one of the things that made it stick with me, because most games you go into, you know, you go from area to area, and there's that music playing, mm. and then you go out the area, and it's that, and it just kind of seemed to blend into the actual actual game with it with um so obviously this the soundtracks adopted um or i can't think of the correct word but like um it uses cloud the C's preludes mm. as that was that something you were always planning on doing or was how, how how did that discussion happen or is it just something you wanted to use to adapt thinking it would work quite well with the yeah the kind of vibe of the game
1: well, no. So actually, the the piece of music, um, the preludes, <clears throat> that was very much uh, Nico Disseldorp, who works at House House. He'd sort of, I think, I think probably just been working. He's, um, I think, primarily their their coder, uh, or at yes. least he's the one of the four who knows how to code. <laughs> um, so he, I think, maybe was just working along one day and listening to music and heard that come up and sort of just made a mental note like, hmm, that sounds kind of funny. Um, you know, funny, not weird, like funny, it's amusing. Um, and so when it came time to put something on the radio in that first trailer, that first bit of gameplay footage, I think, yeah, it was like, oh, this would be kind of, you know, something you might hear on the radio, but also would underscore the game reasonably nicely. And so we did that. And yeah, then it was the, re- the reaction, as I said, that meant that we stuck with it. Um, I think probably I could have written an original score, but it, w- I mean, obviously it wouldn't be anywhere else. Near as good as anything Debussy could write, but there's no way I could um, even do one percent of his incredible talent. So, yeah, I you know it just worked really well in that sense. But then you know uh, one of the, the things I mean we were aiming for to to get the 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 vibe of the game to sound like you were being accompanied by a silent film pianist um, sitting in the corner watching what you're doing and and commenting on the game, and it just so happens that debussy's preludes were written really right in the right era for that to to yeah. track. um as far as i know i can't find many instances of them actually being used um as as at least recommended accompaniment for a film but they were like 1909 to 1912 i think so that's bang on for the 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 early era of silent film so yeah, yeah. it just just worked out really nicely
0: with so um i know it's obviously you've got the uh the vinyl in the background as well with the were you involved with much the packaging and that? Because obviously the record itself's made from recycled yeah um mine's a lovely brown shade i don't know if anyone's got more interesting ones is that something you've kind of wanted to do or is that more on um the record company that made them.
1: Yeah, so it's really it's a it's a combination it's part of the process really. Um I think you know house house are incredibly thoughtful game makers and the reason why actually you don't see a lot of um, goose merchandise though of course i'm i'm sure they could have made you know a killing out of out of producing officially licensed uh geese plushies and so on <laughs> um is um i mean like you do actually sometimes see little little untitled goose game geese but they're not they're not officially made um uh yeah it's just because they didn't really want to produce more stuff do plastic waste exactly yeah <laughs> And so when it came down to producing the um, PlayStation edition of the game, which is in a box, um, they actually uh, worked with IM8-Bit, which is the company that produces and, and sort of um, the, the physical products, um, and Sony to produce the first I believe it's the first um, PlayStation wholly recyclable, wholly recycled um, game packaging. Um, and so, you know, that was already on the cards by the time we got to the vinyl. So, you know, it was kind of a no brainer to go, well, yeah, let's, let's work with reclaimed vinyl. It beautifully suits the game because it means that every single vinyl is a different color. Mine's a kind of, um, I guess I call it bacon colored, which is ironic (laughs) because I'm vegetarian. (laughs) Um, but I've, I've seen, you know, purple, I've seen green, I've seen sort of, you know, almost clear. There's a tremendous, um, set of variations out there and so that that was really really cool i'm still really excited by that um and the fact that we were able to do that um double groove as well and add a bit of sort of randomness yeah
0: yeah I say so it's not something it's literally the first vinyl i've got that's uh recycled and the first double groove one i've got so <laughs> yeah, t- definitely ticks two boxes there mm-hmm. um so with um, the in-game, in I, was, I was actually listening to the vinyl just before we started the interview. The um, the little radio station shorts that are in the game—is that something you did as well, or is that Paul? Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: that's definitely me falling into that. You know what I was saying before of of really enjoying getting into different genres and playing around with different sounds. Yeah, that again, that's my that's when I'm having the most fun is 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 figuring out. I mean, the the brief was what's on the radio, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's it's sort of set. Uh, I think the you know house house have said a few times that it's set in a kind of imagined early '90s um, UK, yeah. uh, and so yeah, going what's on the radio in early '90s in UK that is also. Annoying enough that the gardener would want to run over and turn the radio off, but not <laughs> annoying enough that it actually annoys the player. So, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of things like, you know, bagpipes, some um, shoegaze, a um, bit of sort of late 80s romantic pop, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun making all that. I did notice with...
0: I don't know if, how, how British of a reference this is now, but with the whole village, it had the vibes of um, Hot Fuzz, the Simon Pegg film. I don't know if that was yeah. intentional. I think it's just you go to the model village at the end. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it wasn't intentional. And in fact, I remember at one point, I was one of the first people to see that model village section at the end of the game. And I was like, oh, it's it's like Hot Fuzz. And they were all at, at House House, all just kind of went, oh, no, like we we're hoping people <laughs> wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't make that association. But I mean, it's, it's too obvious not to make it, it it is i i can say that actually part of the village or several parts of the village are based on actual small villages in the uk but i can't tell you which
0: <laughs> they all know yeah. <laughs> yeah so we've obviously um kind of what i mentioned in the emails before about the kind of um overall theme of the podcast is in regards to like, indie games and their soundtracks. Do you, I mean, I'm um, generally grew up playing games in the 90s when I was, that's kind of the first exposure I had. And I can remember early, early 90s, a lot of games were made by much smaller studios. And then the noughties happened and became big, big companies making games. But then probably the last 10, 15 years has been the rise again of like indie games do you feel like having like the you know much more in-depth soundtrack design and things is has really helped that i mean i i know quite a lot of my favorite game soundtracks are um like from indie games do you think that's like helped that a lot or
1: Mm. yeah i think you know like it, it is It is really interesting because the difference as well between the 80s and early 90s and now is also technical in that back then the composers were limited by the constraints of the hardware that they were working with. So, you know, although, I mean, not although, you've got incredible composers like Koji Kondo who are, you know, just still writing landmark music using the most you know technically limited hardware that they had at the time um but i think you know that really helped to kind of instantiate the musical vocabulary of video games as well because you know koji kondo couldn't use interesting instruments and different, you know, orchestral sounds or whatever, so he had to play with rhythm and genre and kind of melody and do these really odd, unusual types of music. Like I still, you know, like the original Mario tune, World 1-1 is like, it's kind of like maybe ragtime, maybe calypso, like something in there, maybe a bit of Latin, um, and you know, I I think that's just so obviously something that is firstly from an incredibly creative composer, but also secondly because he's dealing with with constraints and 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 can't use the most interesting instrument. Whereas today, it's kind of different because you still often with indie projects, off you know, have one person like me working on the soundtrack or working with the developers on the soundtrack. But you know, I have the full palette of you know. Musical sounds to, to to work and play with. Um, the hardware is not really a problem. In fact, I don't even really have to deal with the programming side of things. With the the, the way that I've worked with developers, um, like I have a I have a like a strategic understanding that helps me in composing the music, but the actual programming is not me. So. I think that's the other factor, and and maybe that would be a little bit different at a really big studio, Um, in that I imagine you might have a a big well-known composer, but he would be working with an audio team whose job it is to implement that and and kind of have those technical conversations, so maybe the, the technicality is built in or baked in in a little bit of a different way, so I think... Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I think, you know, indie games have been really, you know, yeah, helped along by, by brilliant music. It's great that you can look back over the last 10 years and there are really identifiable, distinct soundtracks all along the way. Yeah.
0: So I would say as well, the other thing with um, indie games, I think you've touched on it with House House being like a much smaller team. You've got much more like a defined and... It allows them to make a much more unique game because it's not almost you know a big monolithic thing that's designed by a committee it's a much more small compact vision that they do and i think i think like in that's why indie games kind of have that well personally anyway they have that sort of charm of uniqueness because it's it's almost a couple of people's visions rather than mm. a large organization's vision of what can sell sound mm. games i think you know by, i think with like soundtracks as well to combine that, it does really make a, a bit more of a different experience.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, you know, and I think the thing about House House is they're all they all have really different interests. Um, they all came to making games relatively late. Um, you know, like they'd all done unique degrees, pretty much, and none of them in games. Um, and you know, I feel like that's kind of the same with me in that if I sit down with, to have a conversation with them that's not about our immediate work, that's just general catching up or whatever, you know, we can we can talk about, uh, you know, a, a whole bunch of things in a really detailed and deep way that isn't video games. And I, I think that kind of, yeah, that kind of informs things. And it, it also, you know, because I think a few of them trained as... Um, fine artists or they did fine arts degrees, I think, you know, they they are really, really good at articulating their own sense of taste and what they like and what they don't like. I was watching a really, really early video where they one one of the first events where they showed off Untitled Goose Game. And, you know, just really the level of depth that they'd gone to of thinking about the goose and what its relationship is to the rest of the world of the game and what the goose does and how important it was to nail those animations and the kind of feel of the goose before they even moved on to anything else, I think is really, you know, firstly reflective of that kind of um cultural training, I guess almost, that they have, but also their deep collective love of of games like we we're talking about before like Super Mario and Mario Party right like they they can talk and play those games for hours you know and talk about you know the verbs and the way that Mario moves and the kind of you know different different abilities and how each of these have been thought through and you know yeah I think I think um I don't know I think that there'd actually be a really interesting kind of um uh, article or, you know, analysis to be done about like, you know, how in the early stages of of Mario Brothers, you know, one, World One One, like, you know, you get the blocks that you have to jump and hit. You get the first enemy that's moving towards you and then you have the pipe that you have to jump over. And each of those is sort of teaching you about your relationship between Mario and the world. Sort of in the same way as like you start in Untitled Goose game as the goose and you don't actually see somebody or have to um you know worry about your relationship to another character in the world until you're sort of you know you've navigated a little while and you've got to grips with understanding your character first as well um I, yeah it's just that i they they always strike me as as being unusually thoughtful in that instance
0: yeah i, mean, I think that that sort of like depth definitely comes across because it feels a very integrated like especially only having it in a village as such that yeah. it, it kind of feels like it is all very well connected and you do understand like how it all moves through into the different stages and it does it's it's not like anything's there by obviously it would have been programmed nothing mm. would have been there by chance but you know everything seems to have a perfect place for where it is on all those levels
1: absolutely and I, I mean I can tell you that I, you know like I, I know that they had long discussions about what type of paper the goose's notepad should be, you know, the goose's list should be written. List, like, yeah, yeah. That that was, you know, long discussions. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Nothing is by accident in the game.
0: So, with um, I've mentioned it before. The um, the goose game got quite a lot of memes. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that kind of helped spread the popularity? as like almost an intentional marketing tool as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, a lot of people have said that, like, uh, you know, something about the game is really clever, that it is, you know, designed to be spreadable or memeable or whatever. And, like, it definitely was not designed to do that. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, House House's own social media presence, if you go look up their Twitter account, you know, they do one tweet every, like, three months. And uh, I think I've heard them say before that their Twitter strategy is only when we have to. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I think it's it's definitely the qualities of the game itself that lent it that that, that people took and ran with. I don't think it was designed in any way to, to be memeable or shareable. But it's just think, you know, I think I think what they managed to do with the game was create something that was really resonant, um, and really resonant immediately in a very funny way, and so it just it just took on its own life. Um, and sort of, you know, to some degree now, I mean, I was mentioning those unofficial Untitled Goose game merchandise that exist. To some degree, the game, I think, exists in the public's imagination, in in, in, in a general kind of imagination, rather than necessarily just in the executable files of the game. It's, um, yeah, it, it really, it, it, I don't know, became something else.
0: <laughs> I think it's when you scroll through social media and there's people posting goose memes that mm. don't play games and yeah it's like it's it's trans. it's like gone past that that threshold of being just just a game meme yeah and you know ev- everyone knows about the horrible goose yeah <laughs>
1: yeah and like to see like you know, like chrissy tegan or whatever going like how do i how do i download this game how do i play it and just sort of being like is this is this real (laughs) that was definitely our experience of it It just seemed very strange and like it was happening somewhere else to other people
0: yeah i was going to say does it seem weird like how how popular it actually became and like do you especially in your i don't know if you've been teaching virtually or if you've been Mm -hmm. actually yeah, I and mean, the you, you've been recognized for the guy that did the soundtrack for that or Uh,
1: yeah, a little bit. Um I mean, yeah, like te- teaching is um mostly online, but I did, I mean, cuz I teach a, a sort of music and the screen class so and there was a week on video games and music, so <laughs> It seemed like uh, the obvious easy win to, to, to bring this up. I mean, you know, it's unusual to be able to give a behind-the-scenes glimpse to, to students about how something like this was made. So it's an obvious teaching opportunity. But, yeah, I don't know, actually, yeah, a few students – actually, even um, last – and I was going to say last year, but it was 2019 now. It's so easy for it to all lure into one. But even in 2019, I remember a student coming to class and going, hold on, did you do Frog Detective? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm surprised that you know Frog Detective. But, yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's, um, I don't know, it's 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 funny and weird. And, and I think, you know, to some degree it still feels less real because a lot of the like awards and the that kind of really serious end of the recognition all happened um after you know the march 2020 and lockdowns and stuff like that so like i mean i i haven't i don't think i've seen the house house people in the flesh since then i don't think so yeah so that's um yeah the, yeah it sort of doesn't feel that real yeah <laughs>
0: I think it doesn't help at the minute. Like nothing, nothing, everything's kind of a weird virtual reality we're living in at the moment. But it's, yeah, it must it must be annoying to know you've you know you've won an award and didn't <laughs> physically get to go and collect it. Like yeah, it's just well, like you're sat behind a screen going. Eh.
1: Thanks. <laughs> yeah, e- exactly. Well, I, exactly. I mean, I've never been to GDC, the Game Developers Conference, um, and I, you know, I probably was going to go with with House House for for the award ceremony, and that was just on, you know, as as everybody was starting to lockdown, and it was. Um, But also, even just here locally, um, the soundtrack was actually the first video game soundtrack um, in history to be nominated for what's called an ARIA Award here. And ARIA is like um, the the music industry in Australia awards. Um, And, yeah... It was just really irritating that like that was the first time that ever happened and the red carpet was in this room that I'm sitting in now, you know, (laughs) Um, whereas usually like it's even it's usually um, broadcast live on TV and stuff like that. So, yeah, oh, well,
0: (laughs) it's it's just one of those things that looking back, you'd be like, oh, I won won an award while the pandemic was going on yeah two, two things two things you've done in history so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and you know definitely can't complain i mean we've been very lucky in australia with the pandemic and um you know doubly lucky to be nominated for any awards to begin with so i'm, I'm i would never seriously complain but yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um with with um like game soundtracks is there any any soundtracks you would like to have not necessarily worked on, but been in the background while they were doing the process. Like, do you have a, a favourite soundtrack? I know you've, you've talked a lot about the original Mario soundtrack.
1: Mm yeah definitely I mean in Zelda as well I mean they're two very obvious predictable responses but I mean they're predictable for a reason they're great (laughs) Um, but yeah look I really like the Mass Effect soundtracks as well topical now again with the re-release but I like the way that it plays with the combination of orchestra and synths Um, that to me is something that I'd love to that kind of sound world I'd love to play in Um, but yeah um, there's actually an Australian game uh that i admire very much the soundtrack for um which was called the blob it was a wii um sort of second party game um and that has this yeah kind of amazing like funk band soundtrack which is really cool um but yeah i look i, I and you know like obviously like yeah christopher tin the civilization for like a, you know that kind of stuff that's that's really good um but yeah i i, I guess in general what i would say is that I like any game soundtrack and, and kind of wish that I was involved in, in a game soundtrack that doesn't feel the need, especially more contemporarily, doesn't feel the need to be a game soundtrack, I suppose, that can just kind of be music. So, like, things like, you know, L.A. Noir or even Red Redemption, you know, that really expands into a larger musical world, that to me, I, I really like that kind of stuff, yeah. Mm.
0: I think yeah i think there's definitely a lot of soundtracks that you can listen to as their own thing rather mm-hmm. than being a game soundtrack um so we've uh i've got, I've got another i've got a couple of silly questions <laughs> um so, so, have you got any plans to work on well you mentioned you're working on other games any any plans for any games with more animal protagonists <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good question actually because it is it is uh hilarious. Even Push Me Pull You has a dog mode. So actually all of my games uh, really <laughs> are really animal themed in one way or another. Well, I mean yeah, the 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 soundtrack that I'm working on at the moment is um the Third Frog Detective game so that definitely oh, okay. Yeah, definitely um fits into that. Um yeah, other than that, uh look, I'm working on Two others at the moment that aren't distinctly animal flavored. Um I don't know how much I can say about them except <laughs> early, but but they're both they're both cute, but neither of them are animal themes. <laughs> yeah, not not quite. Yeah, and
0: yeah. um, the other one, and this, I'm gonna mess this one up, but do you, <laughs> it's making me laugh even reading while I write that. Um, <laughs> do, do you regret not? using the artist name on the Goose game soundtrack as Cloud de Goose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look I, I I I love doing that in talks about the game. Yeah, Claude de Goosey. It's just it's such a good little <laughs> ridiculous pun. Um and for what it's worth, you know, actually through through this process and because I'm an academic, I've actually been lucky enough to speak to a couple of Um, Debussy experts, like people who spent, like, 20 years studying him. And, yeah, like, it seems like he had a real sense of humor as well. And so it makes me feel a lot better about about these sorts of things. And, you know, I was speaking to one person in the States the other day, and she's, yeah, she's been studying Debussy for 20 years. And she was saying that, like, actually she really strongly suspects that he would Find it fascinating, um, the use of his music in the game, so uh, that makes me feel a lot better. Although, you know, like he probably doesn't mind, he's been dead for a long time, so <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the spirit of the thing, it, it, yeah, it's nice.
0: I did see, um, very going down a very niche reference, there's a video of Claire de Lune being played on a modulus synthesizer, and one of the top comments is. Like obviously, this is you know that's the sort of thing Davusi would have liked. Like that sort of extension and kind of taking his work in a, a different direction. And it's just kind of, I can see, not being the most knowledgeable about his himself as a person. But I, I'm sure he would have loved it being used for the Goose Game. I'm sure he would have loved the chaos and yeah, things that kind of soundtrack. So. Mm. i'm sure sure somewhere or in some way he enjoys that <laughs>
1: <laughs> i hope so i hope so
0: <laughs> um so yeah just obviously you mentioned you're working on um to object 3 and some other as of yet unmentionable games um i mean you you did mention about the Live performance of the UCM is that still is that still going to be going ahead?
1: Um, it's or? unfortunate. Well, it's postponed because yeah, unfortunately, we've just had a, a little outbreak uh, here in uh, Melbourne, which is where I, where I live. That, as I said before, we've been incredibly lucky in Australia, uh, and still, when I say little outbreak, we're talking about I think sixty cases here, which is which is huge from what we've had, but it means that life as uh, quote unquote normal, um, which was almost almost back to what it was, it was really quite remarkable, Uh, has been postponed. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We are, of course, in the Southern Hemisphere heading into our winter, which is when it seems to get worse at the moment. So, fingers crossed, maybe as we head back into summer, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, there's been a few plans and a few possible uh proposals for live performances but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see i'm i i i'm sure it will happen one day um we'll yeah
0: just, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah it's have to be something interesting obviously the I it's gonna say be something i would like to go to the idea of traveling around the other side of the world at the minute just seems completely a whole foreign concept Yes, but yeah.
1: yep. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, to me, I mean, it was even um, remarkable. I mean, we had, well, we still have, it's only the state of Victoria where I am that's locked down at the moment. But um, uh, up until recently, we actually had a travel bubble with New Zealand open and we hadn't, um, we hadn't. Actually, been able to leave anywhere up until recently. So, yeah. Yeah, a few people that had New Zealand holidays planned. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, that's about as far as we can get at the moment.
0: So, I think um, I think that wraps up most of the questions I've had. I don't know if there's anything you'd you'd like to talk about at all. Or uh,
1: no, I, I don't know, think so. That that sort of yeah, just covered covered a lot of it. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very
0: much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. And that's my very ple- enjoyable.
1: <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, good luck with, um, yeah, all the, the others and stuff like that. And, yeah.
0: So I'd like to thank Dan for, again, for taking the time out of his busy schedule to do the podcast with myself. If you're interested in Dan's work, you can check out his website at dangolding.com. There's links to his band camp where you can listen to and download and purchase all of the soundtracks, as well as links to some of Dan's other works, his writing work, some of his academic work, and just some more information about himself. I'd like to thank you for all for listening to the episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Hopefully you'll tune in to next month's episode.